Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, we're really excited about this episode. We have a really cool guest that we told her we Instagram stalked her to find her. So we are not even going to ruin the surprise. We're going to go ahead and toss it on over to her to let her introduce herself. All right. Hi, guys. Thanks for so much for having me. Uh, my name is Amy Williams, and I am affiliated in the sports world through my husband. His name is Nick Williams, and uh, he has been playing in the NFL for nine years, going on his 10th year. We have been on five teams, which is wild. We have two kids. We move all over the place. And now I have found myself in the health and wellness world because that is what I'm passionate about. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, much it about me. There's not much <laughs> of it than like, hey, I'm a wife, I'm a mom. I guess some fun facts about me that a lot of people don't know is I am actually an attorney, a licensed attorney. I went to law school and have my MBA. And I change diapers for a living. So <laughs> well, my kids are out of diapers now, but that's what I used to say in the past. So yeah, I, whenever my husband and I got married, he was playing for the Chiefs at the time. And so I moved to where he was. And three months after we got married, we found out I was pregnant with my daughter and I was studying for the bar exam. So never pursued like my career in the legal world, but honestly, it was a huge blessing in disguise. And I'm a big believer that the Lord has bigger and better plans for us than we can imagine. So I've been a stay at home mom for six years now. My daughter is six years old, which is just wild, wild, wild. Y'all time flies. Time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so excited to have you on. We have been just so thrilled to bring you on an episode and we've loved following your journey so far. And with that though, we like to rewind a little bit and talk about how you met your significant other. So my husband and I met in college. We went to a small D1 school in Birmingham, Alabama, and I actually played softball. I was on scholarship to play softball and he was on scholarship to play football. And because we were at a small school, all of the athletes kind of hung out together. So him and I became friends our freshman year, like orientation. Him and I have differing stories <laughs> as to exactly how we met as friends. He claims we met in one spot and I claim we met in another spot, but uh, we actually didn't start dating until our junior year in college. I was, you know, caught up liking this other dude back home. So <laughs> embarrassing. And he kind of always pursued me. So thankful for that. And yeah, we dated for three years, got engaged and then uh, married a year after that. Oh my gosh. I love that story. That's so funny. I just feel like it's so interesting too. Like when you go into college, I actually played softball and I coached softball for a little bit. And I used to tell like all of my freshmen when they'd come in with boyfriends, I'm like, you're going to break up with them. And they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you're going to break up with them. And then, you know, like a year <laughs> later, they're like, okay, we broke up. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> okay. Well, this is even funnier. So I had never had a boyfriend. My husband was my first boyfriend. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I was like, 21 and had my first boyfriend. It was my husband. I'm like, well, I guess I just waited for the right one. I mean, maybe you can relate to this because you played softball and like coached it. I guess my identity was so wrapped up in like playing sports and academics and all of those things. I didn't have time like mm -hmm. to have a boyfriend, you know, I'm like one of four, one of four kids and we all played sports and we traveled every weekend, like 
practices, games, tournaments all around the country. So I didn't really like have the same amount of time that my other friends in school had to like have these little boy, I say little boyfriends. I don't think anybody's relationships in high school are very serious. Yes, there are a few that make it high school sweethearts and they get married, but like for the most part, you're so young and immature. You don't, you're just doing it. So I didn't have time for all of that. And then I got to college and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it would be nice. (laughs) I was, yeah, I was like caught up. I liked this guy back home. He didn't really like me back again. Embarrassing. My husband still makes fun of me for it. (laughs) Um, And then I just kind of like let it go. And that's when I like looked at my husband in a different way, more than just friends. And then we started dating my junior year in college and we've been together ever since. And we've been married for almost eight years now. That is wild. So when you like, you know, you guys are dating, he's playing football, then he decides that he's going to go into the draft. Like, what was that experience like for you? I did not know anything about football. Nothing. (laughs) I did. All I knew is, well, I didn't know for a long time whether he played offense or defense. (laughs) I was like playing softball. So like doing sports and a nerd, like really into academics and like, you know, trying to keep my GPA high because I knew I wanted to go to law school. Again, I was I didn't know anything. And we went to a small school. So in my mind, I did not think he was going to the NFL. We went to this tiny little school in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm like, what? So I actually, none of that crossed my mind until my first year in law school because my husband redshirted his freshman year. So his senior year was technically like mm-hmm. a year after we had graduated. We both came in in 2008. I graduated in 2012 and then he had one more year of eligibility. So my first semester in law school, he got an NFL combine invite. And I'm like, what is that? (laughs) I'm over here like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be like this career woman, you know, making all this money as an attorney, blah, blah, blah. And that was the point when I was like, all my friends were like, oh no, this is a big deal. Like only a certain number of people get invited to the NFL combine and there's only been a handful of guys from Stanford university that have ever been invited to the combine. And I was like, Oh, so I remember like, you know, being in class in the combine, they do like different like skills or, you know, bench press or whatever. And so I'm like watching him do all this stuff. And even then I was like, Oh, well, and does this mean that you're going to get drafted? And it's not, there's not a guarantee to get drafted. So it really wasn't until, you know, it was probably two and a half years into us dating that I realized that that was, e- that was even a possibility. So yeah, it's like, I think the combine was in February and then the draft was March or April. So it came on very quickly for me that that was even a reality. I didn't think that that was like a thing for some small school athletes, but it is. So yeah, that's kind of how that went. <laughs> I feel like life would change so quickly, like after the draft and then you're trying to keep moving with your career and then he's starting this entire new chapter. So how did you balance your relationship with that all happening? And then you're trying to keep yourself together. So talk about that a little bit. Maybe this will be good for some girls to listen to it. Nothing changed for me. Obviously it was a whirlwind for him because he went from like, you know, being in college to getting drafted. He got drafted at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they had OTAs, mini camp and all that. So he like flew out to Pittsburgh and was gone. We were not engaged or married. So I was like, all right, bye. I don't have a ring on my finger. I am not 
getting up and moving where you are at unless there is a lifelong commitment on this finger, brother. Okay, this is not going to happen. So I was like, no, I've worked really hard to get where I'm at. So I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going until something changes where I'm your wife, then I'm not going to follow you around. Mm -hmm. So we actually did long distance, which presents its own set of challenges because you're not really seeing each other a lot. It was okay for us because law school and I I did my master's in business and my JD at the same time. So I was really, really busy. So honestly, if we were in the same place, it probably would have been a distraction anyway. So it worked out great for us. And I would go up there and visit him once a month during the season. And then in the off season, he would come visit me. And then we got engaged after his first year in the NFL. So it was my second year in law school. And then we got married my spring break of my third year in law school. Cause that was like the football season. If you're listening and you're not aware, it's like training camp for NFL players is the end of July. And then you are on through the whole season after that. So you have a really small window, I guess, to like get things done because <laughs> the season could last all the way up until February if you make it to the Super Bowl. And then you get March off and then OTAs start usually mid-April, although post-COVID, it's a little bit different now. Before COVID, OTAs would start in April. Then you'd have mini camp and all of that until mid-June and then mid-June to end, end of July. So it's like, okay, we have this one week window in March because I'm in school and the summer, but we didn't want to wait until the summer. So yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of wild. Yeah. I, we always laugh about that. Like everybody in the football community has the same like anniversary, wedding anniversaries. Like they're all like back to back to back. So many girlfriends of mine in the NFL are like, oh, you got married in March too. I'm like, yeah. Weird. We all got married around the same time. Exactly. exactly. That's so funny. Okay. So you went to all this schooling because that's a lot. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of commitment. And then you ended up deciding not even to pursue that. So how was that like shift for you? I feel like you would kind of go through an identity crisis because you're so dedicated to your work and then you're kind of not doing that anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. That was tough for me. When I found out I was pregnant, I actually cried because I was like, I'm we got married when we were 25. I was like, I'm not ready to be a mom. What? Like my husband wanted to have kids right away. So he was ecstatic. He's like, yes. And I'm like, no. And I was in the middle of studying for the bar exam. And I also get very sick in my pregnancies. So I was like nauseous and vomiting and like, it, it was just not a good combination. And then after you take the bar exam, there's a period of time where you have to wait to get your scores back. So By the time I got my scores back, I was like already like halfway along and between me and my husband and like, I talked to him, I'm like, you know, I don't know how I would be able to continue a career because I had gone on interviews and nobody would hire me because they're like, well, what brings you to Kansas city? And you're like, my husband. And they're like, well, what does he do? And you're like, you would think, oh, you should tell them that what he does, they might think it's cool. And you're like, I bite you in the butt because as soon as they heard NFL, they're like, well, there's no guarantee that you will be here long-term. And I get it. Like if I'm a business owner, I wouldn't want to invest all this time, money and effort into training somebody and having them come on only for them to maybe be gone in a year or less. Um, Cause the NFL is like, that's very cutthroat different from college. You could literally show up to work one day and they're like, all right, bring in your playbook and your cut the end. You have no job. 
So at first I was fine with it. And then I think where it got difficult for me is I would hear from other classmates or people who knew that I had spent all this time in school and they would kind of make comments like, oh, wow, like you're wasting your brain or you're wasting, like, I don't know how to explain it in good terms, but I kind of felt like being a stay-at-home mom was being looked down upon Mm -hmm. because I had all this education and all this schooling and the expectation was that I go and use that. And if I wasn't using that, then I was doing myself and my family a disservice. But after like praying about it and realizing like my identity is not found in a job or a career, and this goes for athletes as well, especially like my husband, I always have to remind my husband, like your identity is not wrapped up in the NFL, it's wrapped up in Jesus, then it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. I'm not living for the approval of the world. I'm living for the approval of God. So Mm-hmm. The Lord don't care that I'm not working as an attorney. He's probably happy I'm raising my kids. So <laughs> once I kind of like really leaned into that, it didn't matter. I mean, now my daughter is six and I look back at that time and it flew by and I would never, ever in a million years go back and trade that time that I had with her. Yeah. So I always encourage women, like, you know, if you're feeling called in that area to be at home, like lean into it. You will never regret those years because one day they're going to like go off to school. You'll always have time to go find a job, Mm -hmm. but you, you can't take that time back with your kids. And it's funny now, a lot of my good friends who I went to law school with, who are successful attorneys now, they're like, man, we wish we were stay at home moms. (laughs) Like (laughs) This is a, it's, it's a lot of hours. You're billing a lot of hours. It's a lot of work. And so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I think that we made the right decision. Yeah. We love your honesty because a lot of women in our industry, they do struggle with that is that you go. And I went through that chapter as well. I'm not a stay at home mom yet, but giving up a career that I worked really hard for and taking a huge pay cut in the beginning was very hard on your pride. Oh, oh, it was hard. It was definitely hard because you, you work really hard at what you do. And when you become good at it, And, you know, you have success in it and then you're having to essentially sacrifice that like, wow, I'm giving up everything. But I did tell my husband, I'm like, I'm not giving up anything unless I'm your wife. Okay. So just so you know, (laughs) and even when you're married, it's still hard because you're like, I literally went to school for so many years and now I'm not using it. And you think, well, if I'm not using it, then I'm useless. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not. Yeah. I think it's a lot to process it. I love the way that you put that as where identity lies and being rooted within yourself. And Brittany and I are huge about that. We talk about it all the time, um, on our podcast platform, because we just want everyone to know that even if you are making that sacrifice, it is for something that's bigger and better. So I love the way that you put that and becoming a mom. I feel like there's lots of changes to your body. And then you're also doing something different with your career. So let's talk about the body a little bit and some yeah. health. So what happened, um, postpartum for you, what was your experience? And then how did this lead into your wellness journey that you're on now? Yeah, that's a great question. So after I had my daughter, I would say like, I didn't, I didn't struggle too much postpartum with her. It was my first child. I was really healthy going into pregnancy, still working out really regularly. Thought I was eating healthy, probably wasn't eating that healthy now (laughs) that I know what I know. But 
yeah, I would say like four or five months after having her, I was almost back to my pre-pregnancy weight, like feeling really good. And she was such an angel that my husband and I, when she was six months old, we're like, oh yeah, we definitely like want another one. And we didn't think that we would get pregnant right away, but we did. So I got pregnant with my son when my daughter was six months old. Oh my gosh. That is what really rocked my body. I was even more sick with him than I was with her. When I got pregnant with him, my husband got cut and then picked up by another team less than 24 hours later which was the dolphins. And I had to like pack up a house by myself. That's another thing. People think, oh, well, doesn't the NFL pay for you to move? I'm like, no, (laughs) no, they don't pay for anything. What are you talking about? No, they don't pay for our tickets. Nothing. What? Nothing is free. So I was like pregnant, nauseous, sick, throwing up and watching a six month old packed up our house in Kansas city, moved everything down to Miami. And that transition was really tough. My body went through a lot. I wasn't exercising or working out. And there was an amazing community of women on the Chiefs that some of those women are still my very best friends. And so then I get down to Miami and the culture, that's another thing that people don't know. Like every team has a different culture because they're owned by different owners. So the organizations are run a little bit differently. And at the time, I can't speak for it now, but at the time, the culture on the Dolphins was not as family oriented because a lot of the guys weren't married and didn't have families. So Mm -hmm. I felt kind of isolated. There were a couple of girls that I met that I love and adore to this day, but it was really hard. And after I delivered my son, it took a big toll on my body. I just did not get back to feeling like myself for a long time. And then the dolphins ended up cutting my husband that year after that year. So it NFL can be really stressful. You're moving a lot. And then we signed with the bears the following year. And when we got to Chicago, that's when I was like, okay, I am like, it's been almost a year since I've had this baby. I feel like crap. I need to just like get back into things and figure out what's going on this and the other. And that's kind of, that was kind of the beginning of like my health journey, especially into like nutrition and exercising. And I would say that first, after that first year in Chicago, I felt amazing. So yeah, that was the catalyst of all of it. I had always kind of been passionate about health and wellness, but that's when I realized like the ingredients that you put in your body really matter. Yeah. Those are just calories in and calories out, which is what I'd been taught for so long before that. Yeah. I feel like that's so interesting. First of all, you deserve a medal for having two kids, being pregnant and moving and packing up your house. Like that's, that sounds miserable. So it was miserable. It was miserable. I had breakdowns. It's fine. (laughs) That sounds awful. So I want to talk about like how you, you said before that you thought you were eating healthy and now you know something completely different. So what do you know now that you would tell people like just starting out in their health and wellness journey? I would say the biggest thing is reading ingredients on the things that you're buying. So in the past, like I just referenced, it was very much like calories in, calories out. So I would look at something and be like, oh, it's only 100 calories. This is healthy, right? Or I'm eating leaner meats, you know? So the ground turkey that's 99.1 and has no fat. So I, I definitely fell into the mindset of like, we've demonized fats for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so I thought like, oh, if it's really fatty, then it's bad for you. Switching gears to what I know now, I don't 
look at calories or macros or anything. I'm really looking at the ingredients that are going in my body and how does that affect the different systems and organs in my body. So now if I'm at the store, I'm flipping over everything. If I'm in the middle aisles, I mean, if you're in the perimeter of the grocery store, for the most part, you can pick up a tomato and know that it's just a tomato. There's not a nutrition label on there to make sure that there's nothing else on it. Although, you know, conventional produce can be sprayed with different pesticides and stuff like that, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, So yeah, now it's like, okay, when I flip something over, what are the ingredients? Like, are they things that I know that I can pronounce? Are they real food ingredients? What kind of effect is this going to have on my body? And so I think that's probably the biggest change. And then learning more about how the body functions, whether it's digestion or blood sugar regulation or proper hydration, that has a massive impact on your health and the health of your body. So I didn't know any of that stuff before. I was just kind of like eating getting sucked into the marketing of the front of the box and not knowing how it impacted my body. Yeah, that's good. I feel like with anyone's health journey, at least from my own experience, I had to do so much research and it was so overwhelming in the beginning because when you go and read all the labels in the beginning, all the stuff you used to buy, you're like, I cannot believe I've been eating this for the past oh my God, whatever it's years. So bad. It's so bad. I have had the same exact thoughts and feelings, but I just tell myself, I'm like, I can't beat myself up for something that I didn't know in the past. But now that I know when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the approach that I take now. Well, what did you do to start off? Because becoming just more aware of those ingredients. Like, honestly, I wouldn't go look at ingredients. It probably would have been like salads 24 seven or because you don't know any better. So how did you research? You just start Googling like ways to be healthy. What Um, did you do? I started reading a lot of books, one by Dr. Mark Hyman. He's a functional medicine doctor and the book is called food. What the heck should I eat? And I feel like it's a great, like basic intro into like what the heck should I eat? Right. Mm -hmm. Title says it all. And then I kind of went down the blood sugar rabbit hole after reading a book by Kelly Levesque. She is a nutritionist and uh, she has a book called body love. And that was the first time that I had ever read anything about blood sugar and how your metabolic health has an effect on the health of your body and even on weight loss. Um, cause I was trying to lose, you know, my postpartum weight and was struggling this that, and the other. And so that was really eye opening. And so once I had read those books, I started to like do further research into that. So then going onto the internet, figuring out like which ingredients had a higher load on blood sugar or higher impact on blood sugar, trying to avoid those things, you know, this, that, and the other. And then I had told my husband a few years ago that I had an interest in going back to school to get a certification in nutrition because I'd at that point I had been helping family members and friends after I helped myself. (laughs) And they were like, Amy, you should like be able to charge for this. And I'm like, well, I don't have a, I don't have a certification, but a few years ago, wasn't the right time. And then this past year, I finally enrolled and I graduate next month. So I'm really excited about that. That's exciting. That's so exciting. So much school for you all over the place. Lots of school. Oh, I know it's wild. But now, you know, that I'm about to graduate and kind of like, and I've started my own business and everything, all the things that I learned in previous schooling, I'm able to apply now. So 
reading contracts is easy for me. Writing contracts is easy for me. The business stuff, like I feel really equipped doing it. Whereas some of my other like soon to be colleagues who are graduating might not have any of this background. So it might be a little bit more difficult for them starting out. So I feel like I'm starting out on a good foot. That's what I'm telling myself. (laughs) You are. I feel like owning a business, we've learned with this podcast and everything, it is a lot more work and there's a lot of things that go into it that you wouldn't even think about. So so much. Yeah. I mean, I might pop my face on a social media a few times a week because there's so much that goes into building out the back end of a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And stuff that people don't see. I mean, even getting your like email service marketing provider up and running and all of those things. Like when people get a newsletter, you're like, oh, wow, I just got an email. But it's like, it took hours and hours and hours of work behind the scenes to connect the website to the email service provider, you know, creating the templates, writing out the copy. Like it's, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, that's so true. Well, I love all of your Instagram posts too, where you have like swaps, like for things and things like that. I feel like that's so helpful. So like going into helping your clients, I know that everyone is kind of, it's a person by person basis and things change based on that individual. But what are some like key things that you switch over most of your clients to in the beginning? So I take a three-step approach to essentially for my clients to reach optimal health. And that's eating, environment, and extras. So eating is about what you're putting in your body. Environment is what you're putting on your body or kind of like surrounding your body with like what you're inhaling. And then extras are like supplementation or daily detox practices that you can help to support your body after getting step one and two down. Um, Because I've noticed in the health and wellness world, and I don't know if y'all have noticed this just following people on Instagram, but I feel like a lot of people push supplements like, Hey, you have this problem, take this supplement. And nobody is addressing the, well, not nobody, but the people that are pushing the supplements aren't necessarily addressing the foundational issues with eating. And it's like, if you can address some of those foundational issues with eating, you might not even have to get to the supplement point. So I take a very food first approach with my clients in the eating realm. I would say, generally speaking, something that anybody can do, and I almost always recommend for all my clients is eating real food. So I say, listen, in the beginning, we're going to cut out everything from a box or a bag. Like it needs to be from the farm to the fork. So we want as little number of steps in between from Farmer Bob to Amy's plate. So like if you're in the grocery store, that's primarily going to be your produce section your meats and seafoods, your eggs, some cheeses, nuts and seeds, stuff that's like, it's one ingredient, that's it. And then I also, for the most part, have my clients eating three meals a day. We eliminate snacking in between meals and I like for them to stop eating by around 7 p.m. That I feel like everyone can do. Mm -hmm. In the environment department, that goes into like the products that you're using. And I tell people that, I would say like some of the top things that people can swap out are your cleaning products. So, you know, swapping out the bleach and the Windex and all of that for non-toxic ones, that has a big impact on your environmental health, Uh, your laundry detergent, or if you use dryer sheets, eliminating the dryer sheets and swapping your laundry detergent. And then if you use candles in the home, that can also be, can make your home really toxic. And then if you can't afford an air filter, 
opening your windows and doors for 20 minutes a day to just get fresh air circulating in is huge for like your environmental health. And then when it comes to extras, supplementation is very bio-individual. So there's not anything that I could recommend generally. What I could say generally is that most people do not eat a nutrient-dense diet. So a lot of people probably should be on some type of multivitamin or multimineral. But other than that, I take a very specialized or specific bio-individual approach with each person because everyone that comes and will come to me, their needs are drastically different. Their health issues are drastically different. Somebody might be sensitive to dairy. Somebody might not be sensitive to dairy. Someone might be dealing with digestive issues. Somebody might not be di- you know, dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So in that area, it really goes into specifics. Yeah. With your clients that you have, what is a story, like a success story that you could share that, I don't know about any of them that you've had so far that they felt better and you noticed all these changes. I feel like once you go down that health road, you start feeling so much better. And then you're like, wow, why have I not been living like this (laughs) this whole time? Absolutely. I will share one of my clients, her and I did an Instagram live. So that's why I can share it. Cause I can just discuss what we said in the live. And her name is Natalie. She's amazing. I adore her. She was dealing with, I mean, she was dealing with a lot of stuff, um, really like just not, not even feeling like getting out of bed. Like she was just, you know, not doing well, dealing with a lot of symptoms, Uh, blood sugar dysregulation, digestive symptoms, headaches, joint pain. I mean, you name it, she had it. Um, And she was desperate. She had been to several doctors, had multiple blood panels run, and they all told her like, it's normal. You're fine. And she's like, I don't feel fine. Like I can't accept, I can't accept living this way. So she hired me as her health coach and pretty much every symptom has disappeared. Um, so she, which I think is crazy. The the crazier part to me about it was that she had a bag of about 50 supplements that she was taking. So this is a great example of like, why I don't like taking a supplement first approach and nobody had discussed her diet. So she was still drinking sodas, eating Chick-fil-A, you know, having alcohol bunch on the weekends with friends. And I'm like, all of this affects your body and it's affecting it negatively. And in order for your body to get to a point um, where you want it to function properly and reach optimal health, we're going to have to change some things. Mm -hmm. So we drastically overhauled what she was eating and her diet alone, she was able to eliminate pretty much every supplement that she was taking. Wow. So now she just takes maintenance stuff. I think she takes two things and that's it. (laughs) That's crazy. um, Yeah. So I think there's a lot of power in what we put in our bodies. And what I tell people is like food can either be medicine or it can be poison. So what you choose really matters. I love that. I feel like it's, it's so overwhelming. Like when you first start to like make that transition, but knowing that like, if you are going through this and you are feeling like terrible, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because it's going to be worth it. So I love that you shared that story with us. I think it's really important for everyone to hear. I think the other thing too, is we've normalized a lot of these symptoms that are not normal. They're common, no doubt they're common. Like a lot of women deal with bloating and a lot of women deal with acne and a lot of women deal with 
super heavy periods and all of these symptoms that are common, but that's not normal. Like I always tell people, anytime you see something happening, happening externally, that's your body telling you something's going on. No different than a baby when they're infants, they're crying. That's the only way that they can tell you that they need something or that they want something or that something is wrong is they're crying. Your body's the same way. So if you're seeing acne on your face, that's a signal like, hey, something's going on internally or you're bloating or, you know, you're having super heavy periods or hormonal issues. Like, yeah, it's really common. Like a lot of people are struggling with that, but it's not normal. So I always like to tell people like, I'm not normalizing those things because the Lord did not design your body to function this way, A, and B, you shouldn't be okay with feeling like this. Like that's a normal way to feel. But so many women feel so bad all the time that they're just like, well, that's, I mean, I've always had headaches and joint pain. So Mm -hmm. that's normal. I'm like, no, 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 that's not normal. No, no. I know. I feel like I'm going to be calling you after this because I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's not normal. I know I just started realizing that it's very common for people to have like period cramping, but it's yes. not like normal when it when you have it like super debilitating yeah. and all, yeah. I, when people hear about my periods, they're always shocked. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have PMS symptoms. I don't cramp. I don't blow. I don't. It lasts three to four days max. Yeah. See, that's crazy. <laughs> Bleeding for seven days. I'm like, not normal. Not normal. I love it. I love it so much. And the doctors will tell you it's normal. That's yeah, the crazy thing. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is like, especially with your client, like, you know, going to the doctors and people telling you that over and over, it's just what you start to believe. Like you don't think that there's help. Correct. So I'm big on not normalizing common symptoms, but figuring out why you're having these symptoms and then, all right, let's figure out how we can fix them. Yeah. In a holistic way. Because uh, a lot of people that will message me or like, well, I'm just interested in losing weight. And I'm like, well, I, then I'm not for you. This isn't a weight loss program. Like I am concerned about your health as a whole. And all three of the steps play into that. Cause you could have a super clean, healthy, awesome diet, but if you're still putting endocrine disrupting chemicals on your skin via body lotions and beauty products that can affect your hormones because your endocrine system is responsible for the release of hormones in your body. So all of it matters. Now it's not an overnight thing. Like it takes time and it took me years to get where I'm at, but it is doable and it is achievable if you're committed to it, which is why I'm really picky about who I take on because I, I don't have time to work with somebody who's kind of like halfway in halfway out. Mm-hmm. Like you either need to be all in or not at all because you're not going to see the results that you see my other clients having if you're not all in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, we asked this last question to kind of wrap things up all the time. So if you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing, just starting out in this industry, you've learned that would help you today. What would you say? I would have to relate it to the sports industry because the NFL has taught me a lot about how little control I have over my life. Mm -hmm. And what I would tell my younger self is stop planning. I am like such a type A planner. Like, you know, I want to know exactly what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. Like I like all my eyes dotted and my T's crossed. And the NFL has really taught me to kind of like, Hey, you need to surrender this to the Lord because you're not in control. And when you're not in control, you can't make plans for yourself. So once I kind of like 
learned that a few years in now, nothing surprises me. And I feel like I'm able to kind of like take the jabs and the obstacles and the ups and downs that come with this industry a lot easier and with a lot more peace and a lot more confidence because I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm not worried about it. The Lord has always provided for me in the past. He'll provide for me in the future. And I don't need to worry about my own plans because he already has a plan for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we love that. And we definitely agree a hundred percent. So we appreciate you coming on though and sharing all of your knowledge and a little bit of your backstory and we'll um, tune in and keep up with you on your journey moving forward. But if anybody wants to find you or check you out on Instagram, where should they look? Uh, Yeah. So my Instagram handle is Amy Migdalia. That's my middle name. A-M-Y-M-I-G-D-A-L-I-A. And then uh, my website is linked in the bio of my Instagram. And that's where you can find more information about working with me or the course that I have coming up. Awesome. We'll link everything in the show notes too so everyone can find you easily. But thank you again so much. We loved having you on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yes, and thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.